0: As a lane, 15 10, touchdown!
1: Chargers! What's up, guys? Welcome into a brand new episode of Chargers Weekly as we push through the, the dog days before we get to training camp. As always, joined by Matt Money Smith. And, buddy, we had a fun, lively discussion with Lindsay and uh, Lindsay uh, Theory and Jeff Miller last week on the round table. Um, I found it entertaining, and uh, if if folks haven't listened, they should probably check it out. 100%.
0: I got a lot of reaction to it through the social media channels, and it's always nice to get some outside perspective. Always enjoy doing the podcast with you week in and week out, but, you know, there's things we might miss and things that Lindsey and Jeff can pick up on. Of course, all the beat writers do a heck of a job, and they cover the team day in, day out with the stuff that's media accessible, so it was great to sort of get, you know, just some outside eyes on what they're seeing, what they think this team can do, and felt like we all sort of had a, I don't want to say consensus, but the same sort of feeling about what this team should look like, has the capability to look like in 2023, and why Charger fans ought to be pretty excited about what's ahead here when we get things rolling. Like you said, we're in the dog days in about a month, month and a half with training camp.
1: Yeah, it'll be here before you know it. And I figured during this time, You know, we've talked a lot about some of the star players. I think what we want to do the next couple of weeks is really kind of dive into a particular side of the football. And today, just dig into the defense a little bit. Bunny, I know you have some trends from last year and some things that you saw. Um, I also want to talk about some guys that we haven't really talked about over the last five or six months uh, as much that could have an impact On this roster whether it be some rookies or some guys that uh, some unheralded guys from last year maybe some guys that they signed this past off season but um, I I think it's a it's a nice kind of uh, starting point for the 2023 season to kind of dig into this Brandon Stanley defense in year three sure I think one of the things that we haven't talked about
0: enough and uh, no doubt it's because Brandon Staley calls the defense so the departure of Ronaldo Hill and the elevation of Derek Ansley and what that's going to look like hasn't been discussed understandably nearly as much as Kellen Moore who is going to build the offense going to call the plays on the offense and essentially is I mean look Brandon Staley's going to have a hand in that he's gonna he's a former quarterback he's a guy that made his bones as a player on the offensive side of the ball so there's no doubt that he's going to be involved but for the most part, he's got freedom to, to build that offense and to call that offense the way he sees fit. Defensively, Derek's gonna be an extension of Brandon. He's gonna be a sounding board for him. He's gonna be another set of eyes that can perhaps help him see well, why don't we try something this way or let's put this player in this particular position where I think he'll excel. And that maybe's been it's been understated what kind of impact that can have. I you know, some of the videos that our social media team's been putting out and our digital team and Megan and Jason and everybody shows you just like how much juice he has, how excited he is. And Lindsay made an interesting point last week uh, about just Justin and the way he comports himself and the way he views leadership. And we know Derwin's very vocal on that sideline. We certainly know from the mic'd up that Sebastian Joseph Day and Joey Bosa, they can all get after it. But there is something to be said if you have stoic players or you have a a head coach that – Tends Brandon can get excited, no doubt about it, but he's a head coach, and he, I I believe, presents himself that way most of the time on the sidelines. So every now and then it's good to find some juice, if you need juice, somewhere from some of these coaches. And it appears as though Ronaldo Hill was a little bit more subdued. Coach Ansley looks to be a little bit more of that – that power and at times it did feel like particularly in the third quarters I don't know what was going on if it was if it was a nap or if they had massage chairs in that that locker room at halftime or what was going you know what it was but we know the third quarters were a serious issue for this team and so maybe getting a little bit of that juice can can help it's it's going to make the difference is it going to get you an extra win or no I'm just saying it's it's something that's worth noting as much as we pay attention to Kellen Moore and, and how different this offense can look. That's a, a much bigger impact, but I do think there, there is something to be said about having a different voice, a different set of eyes that can perhaps help a unit that has got a ton of talent and for whatever reason just has not lived up to the names on paper. Injuries, no doubt about it, but I'm talking about moments in games where we've seen this defense let down and that's the difference between wins and losses considering how tight the margins were in most of these charger contests
1: you know buddy it's a great point about coaching and coaching styles because you don't want every coach to be the same it, it kind of reminds me of when ron Miles was the defensive backs coach when when gus was the dc uh, coach milo would let these guys be themselves they all had a different handshake with milas and it, it was just kind of a, a looser atmosphere in the secondary and i'm not saying you know, every yeah. style is different. Every style works in some form or fashion. But to have Ansley bring the juice a little bit, it, maybe that sets the tone for some of the players on the team. Um, we know Derwin is vocal. And w- w- I think it was you maybe a couple of weeks ago. We don't really need any more leaders on the team. You know, We talk about Kendricks as a leader. Derwin is the heart and soul. Uh, Joey and Khalil bring leadership in their own ways, um, largely through their play. Um, But but I do think there's something to be said about Derek Ansley and kind of that unknown of of what it is specifically that he's going to bring in coordination with Brandon Staley. And third quarters were an issue. Uh, Run defense, certainly an issue. And and I went back to Brandon Staley's uh, one year with the Rams and just looked at how good they were against the run. I think they were number three in the NFL. So sometimes people say this this system, well, you know, you, you don't want anything to get behind you and, you know, you maybe that's why, you know, sometimes running backs can get runs on you. If you have the players and you have the scheme and you combine it and you marry it, uh, you can do big things, especially against the run. Uh that's one of the things I I, I want to see what Ansley and Staley have cooked up this year. I think that they have the personnel now as we get to year three, to kind of slowly get to what we saw it at the end of last year. Like those last five games, I know the quarterbacks weren't elite, but we, we saw them stop the run. We saw how good they were on third down. And I think that could be a nice starting point with Ansley at the helm.
0: So you you go through it from last year, and this is where the Kellen Moore conversation comes into play. It's, it's one hand washes the other. Yep. When you look at the Chargers defense, particularly the third quarter is what everybody's been talking about and just how bad third quarters were for this team. Well, you look at the Chargers offense by quarter and you see second quarter's total outlier, second in the league, 11.3 points per game. The third quarter, not necessarily an outlier because fourth quarter was almost right there with it, but. Third quarter points per game. So you go 11.3 in the second quarter. You feel like, hey, we carried this momentum into the half. Let's build on it coming out of the break and really put our foot on the throat of our opponent. Third quarter, 29th in the league, 2.9 points per game for the offense. Now you look at the defense and second quarter, their highest ranking of any quarter as a defense, allowing 6.8 points per game. Their third quarter as a defense, the worst of all the quarters, 5.7 points per game. So, like, I think it's important to recognize this is – there is a connection here between these two sides of the ball, that the offense and the defense works hand in hand. And if your offense is not producing and your defense is put into some bad spots because your offense is turning the ball over, having multiple three and outs, things can get sideways. And that's, it's something that was also brought up last week when we discussed how we felt about Brandon's play calling, about Coach Daly's play calling, about his schemes, about his, how this team seemed to have things figured out with what its opponent was trying to do offensively in the game. And it sort of cracked that code early, and then it got away from him in the second halves. And I kind of just went through... I'm through a lot of different stuff. I mentioned the, the points per game per quarter. I know they sound weird. It doesn't sound like it's that big of a gap, but it is. It's it, when you talk about just how games play out, so when I went through every single loss, and I tried to figure out, okay, what it what was was there some was there a common factor? Was there a common trend in all of these losses? And for the most part, yes. In every single loss, the second halves were a disaster, an unmitigated disaster. If I go week two in Kansas City, they're up 17-7 at the break. Here's their second-half offensive possessions. Punt, punt, pick six, punt, punt. And then they scored a TD and couldn't get the onside kick. The defense allowed just seven points in the first half. Come out in the back end, touchdown, punt, field goal, punt, field goal. So the defense held up. The offense gave them nothing in that second half. As a matter of fact, they, they took seven points. Because they threw the pick six. Week three, Jacksonville, you remember what a mess that game was. Final scores 38 to 10. It was 16 to seven at the half. It was 16 to 10 after the first possession of the third quarter. And after that, punt, turnover on downs, turnover on downs. The defense goes touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. And that's how you lose. 38 to 10. Uh, you go to week seven, Seattle. They're only down 10. It's 24-14 at the half and they come out in the third quarter, punt, 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 turnover on downs. It's, And then you look at what Seattle does, and it's field goal safety, field goal touchdown. These things just – I think it's worth going through you know, all of them. In San Francisco, second half, punt, 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 turnover on downs, interception. They had 57 yards in the second half. They had the ball for under nine minutes. Like you can't expect a defense to perform when – The other side of the ball is not on the field. Is three and out. Is punting and giving their opponent good field position. Sooner or later, that dam is going to break. Week eleven, Kansas City. First half. Here's your offensive possessions in the first half: touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown. That's your that's your first half. Second half: punt, punt, fumble. I like. It's just it's it's right in front of you. They stumble. Vegas, up 13-10 to at the half on that pick six of Derek Carr. Second half, fumble, missed field goal, punt. And it just – and obviously we know what the playoff was, right? Up 27-7, punt, field goal, missed field goal, punt, Jacksonville, touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. That's it. So that's it. Even in wins, like I looked up some of the wins in Houston, they're up 27-7 to at the half. They come out in the third quarter, punt, 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 fumble. And next thing you know, it's 27-24. In the fourth quarter, and you're like, wait a minute, what just happened? This team was up 20 points. Yeah. So I bring it all up because that's why people are excited about Kellen Moore. That's why the defense can't be discussed without also bringing up the offense. Because it is it is it is imperative that whatever was going on with this team to start the third quarters has got to come to an end. There's, there's just got – that third quarter, again – twenty ninth in the league, they average less than a field goal per quarter. That is less than twelve points per game if you expand what they do in the third quarter, less than twelve points per game as an offense. so that's that's got to get fixed in order for the defense to get better and for them not to give away these games in the second half.
1: If you just bookend. season on the road right that kansas city game where it was complete domination in the first half and you fall apart in the second half and then it's the same exact story in jacksonville and frankly the defense was the ones that put the offense in the position to score in the first half if you remember it's not they sent me a three interception when you have five turnovers in the first half the defense the offense didn't have to move the ball really at all in that jacksonville game and then in the second half they didn't move the football at all and the defense wore down and it, it was that third quarter into the fourth quarter where they look like two completely different teams. So as we say at the top, we're going to talk about defense today to money's point, killing more in the offense is just as important in terms of how the defense, you know, when, when you're, when your offense scores, right out of the gate in the second half, right? You, you don't think the defense is a little jacked up to get on the field and, and, and get another three and out and get your offense back on the field? So that's, that's a, I think, an important point that you brought up, Money, because that was a theme throughout. I was waiting for you to get to the Seattle game because I was like, man, the way you laid that out, it was like, I was in. we were in Houston. Eckler had three touchdowns. They almost lost that game in Houston. like twenty seven twenty four. 27-24. It was 27 27-24, 27-24. Houston, Houston had the ball. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Every, every yeah. stage of the regular season, this kind of reared its head and yes, Kellen Moore in the offense, but I think the defense and anybody can say this, but when you do have the talent that the Chargers have, if they have a little bit better injury luck, things are going to be, I think, just fine. Um, there's a couple of guys, buddy, that we haven't talked about that I wanted to get right. your thoughts on. Um The first is Nick Williams. And and Nick Williams was in Chicago with Jay Rogers and Brandon Staley in 2019. He essentially replaced Austin Johnson with the Giants um, in the starting lineup last year when Austin came to the Chargers. In 2019, he had six sacks. He played with Khalil Mack. Khalil had nine and a half that year. Um, Nick Williams was second. He has 42 starts since 2019. And it was a signing a few weeks ago that we we're like, okay, Nick Williams, that's cool. But when you think about the defensive line and the depth that's needed, because injuries are inevitable, a guy like that who knows Staley's system, who has been coached by Jay Rogers, who, you know, essentially replaced Austin Johnson in New York, that's another depth piece that is you can add essentially to this defensive line, and you know, I haven't even mentioned guys like Tito Abonia and guys who got hurt. But Nick Williams, I think, is a very under the radar free agent signing. You know, Kendricks was the guy we talked about, but I-, I think Nick Williams will contribute this year. Well,
0: I'll be honest, Chris. I hope he doesn't. I'm just saying that because, like you said, he's a depth piece. Now yes. he is a better depth piece when you're talking about, you know, what, what, what best case scenario is. Tito Abonia, Austin Johnson, Sebastian Joseph Day. There's your three-man rotation for those yep. two inside tackles. Signing Nick, though, is better than what they were faced with in the middle of the season last year, and that's trying to pluck guys off whomever was exposed on a practice squad and just trying to get them up and running. And here we are in week five. Hey, You've got to figure this out. We need, you're going to start this game. Like That's what we were looking at last year. So that's where the point you're making is great. Get some depth. Injuries are going to happen. Tito Obonia and Austin Johnson are both coming off significant injuries. And to project that they're going to play 17 games or they're going to be effective in 17 games is crazy. So that's where Nick Williams comes in. You look at the depth chart, and I'm just looking at it right now, and and it's kind of what you, you know, I think you're probably a little worried about. Because you look behind, and you see Nick, and then you see Tito behind Sebastian Joseph Day and Austin Johnson. Behind that's David Moa, Jared Clark, C.J. Okoye. So it's it gets thin in a hurry. And that's where you hope that someone like Nick, who's 33, who's been in this league for a long time, who's piled up a career of 125 tackles, seven and a half sacks, has certainly proven in whatever role you ask of him, he's capable of going out. It's almost like a middle reliever. Can you yeah. get me some innings? Can you chew up some innings so I can give Austin Johnson, I can give Sebastian Joseph Day a breather? And that's, and when you mentioned coaching, that's something that is, is worth bringing up because I'll, you know, I'll just go to last year and think about how well, it didn't matter who it was, like how well that you know, Fajoko played that Merrill played, that Hinton played, like they did Ty Shelby, like they were bringing in guys that were playing pretty darn well and not letting, you know, the games get away from you. At least they were keeping the Chargers in the game for the most part, for most yes. of these, these games that they were able to either win or lose. So there is something to be said about Jay and Jay Rogers and Brandon Staley and the way they coach these players and the way they develop these players. Tito Abonia was really coming on when he ended up getting hurt, like he was really coming on, was looking like a hell of a find in that fourth round. I think that's where they drafted him in the fourth round and looked like he was going to start earning a lot more time. We talked about Braden Fajoko and and him coming on as an undrafted free agent, how well he managed to play. So if there's one thing we can tell, it seems as though that particular position group plays pretty darn well under this, this set of coaching, un, under the, the sets of coaches that the Chargers have uh, and, and seems to play at or above – their previous levels if they were at, at any other stops and and that's where when you bring up nick where it's a little more encouraging that they have some depth at the start of the season
1: yeah and no you know doubt.
0: what someone's gonna show you know someone's gonna flash in training camp you know the 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 front office does a really good job of of finding and tabbing these undrafted free agents and just like we've seen with Braden Fajoco, with Forrest merrill with Joe Gazziano, just going through the whole defensive line, they tend to find guys. They tend to find guys that play and and end up playing pretty well, and and make nice, and, and end up developing nice
1: NFL careers for themselves. Maybe Scott Matlock's that guy, the guy the, the, for Boise yeah. State who, who you know showed some promise. I think he's got some size and and maybe can be one of those guys that that yeah, six four three hundred. He could be a rotational guy potentially. Uh, The the, the one thing about Tito and Austin Johnson, I think silver linings to injuries, it happened earlier in the year. So Austin Johnson got hurt in the Atlanta game. Tito got hurt in the 49ers game. So you hope those guys are ready to go for training camp. Tito, I I went back, I interviewed him right after he was drafted, Money. And I I listened back to it because I kind of forgot the conversation. He went to the local Pro Day because he's from UCLA. And he hit it off with the Chargers. And he said he knew, he kind of knew that the Chargers were the team that he was going to go to. And in terms of what he said he was going to provide to the team, he said, first and foremost, improve the rush defense. And secondly, collapse pockets for Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. And to your point, we saw that. I mean, we saw him coming on, and he's another guy, almost like a red shirt rookie this year who i think fans will be very excited to see in this rotation um he i think he had one year as a starter at ucla but he was there for a while um just a powerful dude and i think the season is so long you kind of forget moments throughout the year and i think tito was maybe a little forgotten about because of his injury but he's coming back and i think he's going to be an impactful player
0: you look at the the rush numbers and we all know they were terrible 144 yeah. yards per game. Teams rushed 27 times per game, and they would have seven rushes for first downs. That's – can't have that. Just that's that's something that needs to be fixed. They were dead last, allowing 5.4 rush yards per attempt. And they were 23rd in percentage of rush plays against them, which tells you teams came in and said, we're going to run the ball. And what what Coach Staley will tell you is, that's fine. That that they believe, you know, and I do think this is where philosophy and scheme comes into play. Is it's the the, the philosophy? I don't want to put words in his mouth. Have him come on and tell us himself. But my interpretation of the way they approach is no explosive plays. Happy to give up four four yards on the ground see if we can get a negative play in there on second down, rush the passer on third down. One thing we can't do is give up that 20-yard explosive passing play, that 30-yard, that get-over-your-head touch. That's the one thing they will not allow. Unfortunately, what became a, a bit of a signature for this defense was explosive runs. No defense allowed more explosive runs than the Chargers. So... While I understand you don't want the 30-yard pass play or the 50-yard bomb for a touchdown, you also don't want the 40-yard run, the 70-yard run from Kenneth Walker. The um, remind Pierce. me of who it was Damian Houston. Exactly. that's what I was thinking about. Pearson Houston for 75 yards. There were way too many of those. So I'm curious. I shouldn't say it's not anxious. I'm curious to see how they fix that because it's one thing to give up the four yards per carry the four and a half yards per carry that doesn't look great the problem is all of those explosive runs which negate the philosophy of no explosive plays in the passing game don't let the ball get over your head well it doesn't matter if the running back gets to the edge and rips one off like Pierce did for 75 yards in a game that's getting away from you we went through it you know the punt 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 fumble You're up 27-7. It's a 27-24 game, and Houston's got the ball in the fourth quarter. That's what they were faced with before they scored a touchdown in their last possession to go up 34-24. So that's something I'm anxious to see. Again, there I am with anxious. Curious to see how they adjust. And that that could be – I know I defended them when it came up the other day, but maybe that's why Eric Kendricks is here and Drew Tranquil is not here. If that's his responsibility as the play caller or the man that's relaying the play calls and making sure everybody gets set up in their right spots, that then perhaps the idea is that Eric Kendris can do a better job of that to prevent, to make sure the edge is set, to make sure the linebackers are in their lanes, to make sure the corners know where they're supposed to be and to get corners that can tackle, to get corners that can make those tackles. Far too often we saw safeties and corners it's one of the big issues with J.T. Woods last year. There were a couple runs that were on him when he was out there. Just bad angles or misdiagnosed. Play- Kenneth Murray, I know, had some serious issues in diagnosing runs and trying to figure out where he was supposed to be. And that's it's probably why I, I think of all the, the issues, my guess is that's probably number one on the list of why that 50-year option was not picked up, is he really – struggled to find the right lane and really struggled to diagnose run and get that first step and not be a step slow, but be a step quick in trying to to make those
1: plays. Money, we've routinely said this. It takes all three levels to stop the run. And you've routinely said this. Joey Bosa is perhaps the best all-around defensive end in football. Do you think that Damian yeah. Pierce... 75-yard run happens if Bosa's on the field or, you know, some of these, like, huge runs throughout the course of the year where Joey wasn't on the field. So, right. I, I, I think that that's going to make a big difference, too. And it's, it's very easy to say, it's, it's you know, call it an in, in excuse, oh, Joey wasn't on the field, but it's true. Joey was not on the field for a lot of these big runs throughout the course of the season. And Joey It's is, a great point, Chris. He's, he's they, great. they ran right at Kyle that's Van Noy
0: for yeah. for all of the celebration we had of Kyle. And he really came along toward the end of the year and his sack numbers and his Pat his pressure numbers. He was abysmal against the run for a good stretch. And look, he was playing a position that he didn't think he was going to play. And there's a lot of rules. Lindsay brought this up last week. It's a very complicated defense. There are a lot of rules for what you're supposed to do. And we know even the first year that Brandon Staley was here, Joey was not entirely comfortable. He was not comfortable with this defense and he was not happy. And, You know, and then he settled in and he figured out and he got a lot more comfortable and 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 got into that rhythm. And so you're you're absolutely right. Because I know I've said it on the podcast before, but you know, I remember listening to when my daughter was playing lacrosse, they would say, Where's the Cheeto? And that was the name of the person that they were going to take advantage of. Okay, that person can't play offense. We could ignore them, so we can double and triple over here. Or you know, hey, there's the Cheeto on defense. That's where you're attacking every time. And that's it's it's every sport is exactly the same way. You know, whatever you want to call it, the Cheeto, or that's what they're looking for. And they ran right at Kenneth Murray, and they ran right at Kyle Van Noy repeatedly. And that's all it takes. It's just like an offensive line. You could have the best left tackle in the world, but if your right tackle is not league average or at least serviceable, you're hosed. You are completely hosed. We saw it in that first game that Forrest Sorrell got into. Nothing against him. He just wasn't – he's got a lot better through the course of the year, and that's why they brought him back, because he's a developmental prospect. He's got to continue to develop. And they just came – they ran right over him. Ran right over him the entire game. That's what they'll do. So that's where the, the whole Bosa being on the field, along with Khalil Mack, who is probably the best – run edge defender in the league. Khalil Mack is exceptional at defending the run as an edge player. Jadavian Clowney, another one, exceptional at defending the run as an edge player. Joey Bosa, so when you have two of the best, we can set the edge and you're not getting around us, guys, then that certainly
1: helps out a lot more. A couple of other guys I want to mention, <clears throat> we'll move on. Uh, Morgan Fox had 12 starts last year. It really picked this defense up when they needed it towards the end of the year. He had six and a half sacks, career high, four uh, came in the last five games. And uh, these two rookies, I want to talk about too many. uh, Tuli Tuli Pelotu from USC. He's only 20 years old. The coaches say he's wise beyond his years. 13 and a half sacks at USC last year, 22 tackles for loss. And uh, your buddy Lance Zerline, rare alignment versatility for every defensive front. That's music, that should be music to, to Chargers fans' ears. He can play across the line. Um, he's another guy who I think will be that third or fourth edge rusher, but also provide help up front. Um, and then da- Diane Henley, this is a guy who maybe is, is a little bit raw because he hasn't played the linebacker position that many years, but um, he's all over the field. And this could be another player who you see more often than not. As far as the linebacking position – In that unit is concerned, money. Do you think it's a little thin behind Kendricks and Murray with with Henley there as a rookie? And you know, I know, Eamon's there. And you know, Nick Neiman didn't really get much run um, on defense last year. He's been great on special teams, but um, it it could be a position where I think they could add a guy. It's 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 a non-premium
0: position in this in this defense. A lot of times there's only one guy out there, and it's the extra. They're playing a lot of dime. They're playing that dollar, you know, safety role. So that's why it doesn't concern me as much. What what really, it's it's really going to come down to how good is Kendricks? How how good is he going to play? And in the hope that that Kenneth Murray can, we say it all the time, can live up to what we know he's capable of doing physically and athletically. He's a f- complete freak of a. Uh, of a physical football player it's just trying and and maybe that's where the eric kendrick's decision came in as well just communication and and making sure that that kenneth is is in the best spot to have him succeed so that's i I, i'm with you i think dan can could end an absolute could absolutely make an impact he is he like you said just started from nevada to washington state and and moving to the linebacker position and just how little time he had at that position to the impact that he made suggests that, yes, this is an ascending player. Someone who is gifted athletically, physically, plays with a butt ton of energy and and aggressiveness and violence, and probably just needs to learn the position. And again, going to what we've said repeatedly, it's a good coaching staff. They develop players very well. So certainly. He's going to have to play, I would assume. I think Nick Neiman's been on the team long enough for us to know he's one of the best special teams players in the league. Maybe not an, uh, a linebacker that you want out there a whole lot. Same thing with Eamon. Great special teams player. Not quite sure he's a rotational player. So Deion's the latest person that, that's going to try to fill in at that depth. Tulipilotu is, Tuli is the more important one. He's yeah. got to be the third edge rusher, and he's got to be effective. It's what they thought Chris Rump was going to be last year and just didn't quite materialize. Again, exceptional special teams player. Solid. Give you, give, give your starter a breather. Maybe plays a series, maybe half a series, a couple plays. Thule's gotta be that guy that can can play a whole can play multiple series. Hey, this is your series in the first quarter. This is in the, in the first half. Here's your series in the second half. You're gonna give Khalil a blow here. You're gonna give Joey a blow there. You need to be effective. So that's, hey, we're gonna kick Joey inside, and you're gonna play outside of him. We're gonna put you both on the same side of the like. That's what thule that, that that's what has got to be.
1: Yep. So and that's
0: to me that's the much more important one.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. And you know, add Morgan Fox to that mix. Who, who was kind of hundred percent. You know, he 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 can he can you can move him around. Like I said, six and a half sacks last year. Uh, the secondary money we've talked I think maybe the most of every. Uh, all three levels of the defense. We talk about the secondary at the most because of uh, the intrigue behind J.C. Jackson being ready for training camp and potentially for the beginning of the season, um, the way Asante Samuel closed the year, especially in Jacksonville with those three interceptions, what Derwin's capable of when he actually has healthy bodies around him, how you can move him around. Is there anything else? J.T. Woods obviously is another guy we've talked about who has to step up. Um, Jaleel, I thought was great breaking down alohi gilman a few weeks ago and just what alohi brings to the secondary his steady presence is there anything else michael davis um any other players that you're looking forward to seeing that maybe can help in terms of depth you know obviously we've mentioned the name bryce callahan and john johnson two guys who are still out there perhaps they get signed by the chargers at some point i think jaw's gonna be that guy
0: the depth guy you know ultimately it comes down to the health of jc jackson and it feels like he's gonna be ready that that JC is going to be ready and that's going to help a lot having him and especially if he's another if he's actually comfortable in the system or if the system can be adjusted to take advantage of his strengths and not ask him to change his stripes and just stick him on someone say that's your guy here at week one JC you got Tyree kill just stick get up on the line physically punish him and let's go it's it's a big ask, but you know what I'm getting at. Like, that's – so I'm anxious to see. Or is he more comfortable? And he now is comfortable with the rules and all the different things he's got to adjust to in a system that he's not used to playing. So in the secondary – and I, I just mentioned that because of Your Taylor, right? So now, if you want to get physical in that slot, now you're talking about three really big corners going back to that that rush – Defensive. And the nickel you got Jossier in his size, and Mikey Davis on one one side, and J.C. Jackson on the other. You got three really big corners that can tackle, and that can help change the calculus of that run defense and being effective. And I, I think outside of that, I'm just going to bring up Thule again because just envision and and this is it sounds great. Whether or not it's effective, I can't say, but. Just imagine on an obvious passing down to have Joey Khalil Mack, Joey Bosa, Sebastian Joseph Day, Morgan Fox, and Tuli Tui Peloto. That's what's on that's what's on that line. To me, that's what Brandon Staley is envisioning. And by the way, behind them, you've got Eric Hendricks, Derwin James, JC Jackson, Mikey Davis, like That's what we're talking about, when this team can be healthy. When you have that kind of talent on the defensive line that's going to create pressure, that in turn creates opportunities for J.C. and Derwin and Mikey to create turnovers. Eric Kendricks, who's got good hands and has interceptions in his career, that's what we're talking about. That's how this offense, that's how this defense is going to make its impact with pass rush. When you have, that's why I, I was really surprised that Morgan Fox came back. I thought for sure he was going to have a ton of money out there. It's hard to find effective pass rushers on the interior of the line, but that's what you can do. Now you can stack Morgan Fox and Joey Bosa. You can stack Bosa and, and Khalil. You can you can stack Bosa and Thule. You can. That's where you get your advantage. You can't double everybody. So it's all about taking advantage of single coverage. Of I'm being, I've got a one-on-one. Khalil and Joey can't both be doubled if they're on the same side. One of them's got a one-on-one. You go to the other side, chances are they're doubling one of those two guys. So now you've got one-on-ones for Morgan Fox, Sebastian Joseph Day, and Tuli Tupelo all on one side of the line. Like that's, that's what we're getting at.
1: So more, more options in the playbook, man. It, I, I'm sure Derwin on the edge, that was something that we would have seen a lot more in, in 2022 yeah. had, had it not been for the injuries. And I I agree with you. tooley is is probably the one rookie that is going to have to produce the most. Um, you know Quentin Johnson, yes. of course, we've talked about, but Thule's going to have to be that guy. I think on defense, if they yeah. want, Quentin's a, a little bit more of a luxury, right? It's
0: yeah. you've got Mike, you've got yeah. Keenan. Now they weren't healthy last year together. But let's just project health, you know, project these guys are going to be healthy for the majority of the season and not miss eight or ten games. And that's a luxury. You're fine. If you've got Josh Palmer and, and Mike Williams and Keenan Allen with Justin Herbert throwing the ball, you're going to be fine. Quentin Johnson, of course, takes it to another level. If you've got Johnson out there with Mike and with Keenan, especially in red zone packages, stuff like that, good luck. But
1: thule has got to ha- – that has to work has to work money as we get out of here i think the biggest takeaway from today's podcast is kellen moore's offense is going to impact brandon staley's defense as much as anything and you brought up that third quarter fans i suggest do what money was saying go back and look at the second half of these games and how they lost the games and how strong they came out in a majority of these games against really good teams and how it looks so different in the second half and what, they're, what, what they have done and the intel that they've gathered in an effort to remedy that, that's going to be the difference in 2023. No doubt. Yeah. It's, it's, it's
0: not just fixing the defense. It's not just fixing the offense. It's getting them to complement one another. It's complementary football. That's what it's all about. Touchdowns, not field goals. Like I go through, just, I'll, I'll wrap it with this, Chris. Second half points, they averaged eight points. 16 points per game. 28th in the league. The only teams that were worse, think about these. Offenses: Tennessee, the Rams, Pittsburgh, and Denver. Those were terrible offenses last I mean, terrible offenses last year. The Rams, it was a complete loss with everybody getting hurt, including Matthew Stafford. Tennessee was a complete failure of an offense. Remember, they had Malik Willis out there. They could not run the ball. They got rid of A.J. Brown, had zero, didn't even have a number three wide receiver out there, let alone a two or a one. Pittsburgh was still playing, very, just protect the ball, don't get into trouble, Kenny, dink and dunk, and let's let our defense try to win us some games to get into the tournament. And, of course, Denver, we know, was historically bad, considering how dominant their defense was. So that's how bad the second halves were for the Chargers and, and why they need to be so much better in that third quarter. Second quarter, 11.3 points per game, or points per quarter. 11.3. Third quarter, 2.9.
1: It's just, that's it. It's all right there. Yep. Yep. Well, hey, we hope we're bringing you good content during the dog days. If you're listening to the podcast on June 29th, you're a diehard yeah, Chargers fan. You're a weirdo. There. Yeah, yeah, and we appreciate you, you weirdos. I love the weirdos. <laughs> we'll Chargers talk. Weekly weird, that's what we say. Yeah, exactly. Hey, we couldn't resist talking about Kellen Moore and the Chargers offense on the defense podcast. We'll talk right. about Kellen Moore and the offense next week and, and really dive into what Kellen Moore is all about and all the weapons that he has at his disposal with Justin Herbert at the controls. For Matt Money Smith, I'm Chris Havery. This has been Chargers Weekly.